Back empowers you to get it together with a single digital wallet. Use Back to aggregate, convert, send, and spend digital assets like crypto, loyalty and rewards points, and gift cards. Get started by downloading the Back app today and treat your digital assets just like cash. And I also want to give a shout out to Kraken. With Kraken, the cryptocurrency exchange, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or even earn additional rewards through their industry leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit Kraken.com now to learn more. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy to use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone. No account registration is required. Download Exodus at exodus.com and you're ready to go. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning into The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. We've got a very special episode of the show for you today. We've got Sam Bankman-Fry joining us, CEO of Alameda Research and founder of FTX, the cryptocurrency exchange. Sam, this is your third time on the show. You're among the few repeat guests that we've had on. We've talked about market structure in the past, the differences between the market structure in Asia and here in the US. We've talked about the crypto retail market and your acquisition of Blockfolio. And today we're going to talk about the other piece of the empire, Solana and Serum. Solana has been getting a lot of attention, obviously, not just because of the price run up, but because of the sort of, we're seeing you know more sort of projects built on top of it. The price is up 150% over the last 30 days. And of course, the decks that you're sort of behind uh, Serum built on top of Solana, we're, we're talking um, up 96% over the last 30 days. So obviously, I think at the heart of this project of Solana is just figuring out a lot of the longstanding issues that people in the industry have talked about as it pertains to DEX is built on top of Ethereum, the scaling issue that everyone knows. And my impression, right, is you went into this, and we can talk about the sort of origin story, but you went in this with a very trader mindset. You came from Jane Street, and I, I think you sort of wanted to build this from those types of principles. But um, we'll kick it to you now. Walk us through sort of like how the project originated and and whether I'm sort of right that like it's very much um, something that tried to glean from not only your background dealing with DEXs in the crypto market, but even just as a trader in general. Yeah, I think that is a piece of it. I mean, you know, really where it came from was it, it was sort of a year ago and, and DeFi was getting really hot. And we kind of came at it originally from a sort of stupid position of, I don't know, let's do something in DeFi, you know, I don't know, who knows, something. And, and started, you know, drafting up some ideas and playing around with them. And, you know, basically what happened was you just hit really, really consistent roadblocks with everything we were trying, which was that, you know, any products that we tried to build 
or that even we we kind of tried to scope out. And we're we were originally just definitely going to build on Ethereum because it's you know that that was where everything was. And it's just sort of product after product died at the exact same death knell, which was you know ten transactions a second for the network was just not enough. And what were some of the projects you were trying to to build on Ethereum? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the first thing we tried to do was an order book, and and I mean that was clearly after just a little bit of looking into it going to be a non-starter. And I mean, just the gas cost to operate that was going to be insane. But, you know, we, we looked into a number of other things. We looked into, you know, some various, like, reporting of photos on blockchain type ideas. Uh, we looked into some smart routing ideas for DEXs, you know, some sort of on-chain arbitrage finders, and, I uh, you know, various trader tooling. And sort of a lot of those ideas... And, you know, they all had sort of the same problems, which is that it was just really, really difficult and expensive to get, you know, anything really onto, uh, you know, to, to really get anything on, on chain that we we're super excited about. And, of course, there were some things that we could do on chain, but but it, it sort of felt like the adverse selection projects in a sense of, like, you know, what we were left with was something that was, you know, we weren't picking it because it was what we were excited to do. We were picking it because it was like the only project we could think of that could fit within the confines of you know the throughput that we had to work with. Mm -hmm. So walk us through exactly how Solana increases throughput. What, what's exactly the technical underpinning that gets that done? Yeah, totally. And I, you know, I'll do. I will give sort of the outline if it you know at some point you know it's possible that you'll dig deeper than 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 I am an expert in and and you know and Anatoly and, and the Solana team are. are Obviously, in the end, the best resource. But the basic thing that you run into, well, there there are a few things. The first is that in general, it's just quite good to have, uh, quite hard to have, uh, you know, real scaling with proof of work. And so, you know, obviously, Bitcoin and Ethereum have both had real troubles with this. So, you know, the first thing it does is, is you know, it's a proof of stake protocol, as as most new blockchains are, you know, as to ETH 2.0 is planned to be. But you know, after that, what does it do to distinguish itself from, you know? just yet another uh, you know yet another proof of stake blockchain the key thing that you run into is basically parallelization is you know how can you if you have to put everything in serial then that's going to end up kind of constraining constraining what you can do and and so you know one of the big questions here is how can you have you know as many you know basically as many transactions running in parallel, or at least being submitted in parallel as you can. Um, and what what Solana does as its core is it, it tries to have, you know, an on-chain memory store, basically, whereby, you know, a transaction can say, look, here's, you know, the, 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 the 28 addresses on this on-chain memory store that I'm going to be modifying, or that I might be modifying. So I'm going to put a lock on those, a write lock on those, so no one else can modify those until I'm done with that. But outside of those, you know, anyone can go submit another transaction and run it, you know, effectively at the same time. And uh, and so what that means is that you do get a lot of parallelization, which really massively increases kind of the total throughput of the blockchain. And you can't perfectly parallelize everything. You never can because if, you know, there's two different, you know, submissions, each trying to, you know, withdraw the same funds from the same address, then obviously you can't run both of those. Um, those are going to conflict with each other. But any time when the transactions don't conflict with each other, it lets them run at the same time. So we kind of got, or at least I got a little bit ahead of myself. Now the audience understands kind of what 
the sort of differences are and how you guys went about building this out. But you identified the problem. How did the Solana team come together and what's the sort of history there? Yeah. So, you know, we were, and, and you know, one thing I should say is we we're not there for the beginning of it. I mean, I, you know, we started talking with them, mm-hmm. you know, around a year ago now, and they were, you know, just launching their, I say just launched their, their, uh, you know, mainnet um, at that point. Um, but, you know, I basically, you know, as uh, Tolly and, and, and Raj and the crew were, you know, seeing this problem with scaling in crypto and, and Anatoly had worked at Qualcomm on massively scaling paralyzed global communication systems. And, you know, he'd been working on it with radio towers, basically. But, you know, saw that, look, this is sort of a, a similar type of problem. You know, I wonder if there is sort of a similar type of solution to that. Because it was, you know, it was just something that he'd had a lot of experience thinking about. And so, you know, I think basically he he spent a lot of time trying to think about, like, how would one do this? How would one build a scaling blockchain? And, and after a lot of thinking and iteration came up with, you know, basically a set of things that they thought would get there in, in you know, kind of the, the maximally painless or efficient way, kind of given the constraints. And you sort of looked at the constraints that existed in the Ethereum-based DeFi world, the potential of Solana and thought, all right, this is what we're going to build our decks on. But Obviously, there's always sacrifices. So I'm curious how you thought about the sacrifices of sort of opting for scaling rather than maybe decentralization, right? So, you know, how to maybe Solana provide scalability, but still enable many validators to participate in the network? Yeah. So, you know, the first thing that I would say is that, you know, there's often trade-offs to make. We didn't see the scalability trade-off versus Ethereum as much of a choice, frankly, given where it is right now. Now, that's not to say that that's true necessarily of all of the new tech that's going to be built on it, of the layer twos and the rollups and things. But, you know, at 10 transactions a second, you know, it's basically not, you know, it just can't scale. And it, it almost doesn't matter how decentralized it is if it's just going to be impossible for it to run, uh, to run DeFi on it if DeFi gets big, because that's the case that really matters is if DeFi die, you know, DeFi is, is at least trying to get huge, is trying to get to become a global force and not just sort of a hobby horse for crypto enthusiasts, then it's got to be, you know, able to get there and, 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 you know, it just can't at, at, at some levels. And so some factors are harder to deal with than others. And, you know, we can get to kind of building out, you know, ecosystem tooling later, but, you know, that, that's an important and, and factor and one that's annoying, but one that you can try and work around. But, but some of these factors are just hard. So that, that was sort of a lot of the context. And then you look at, you know, what are the trade-offs there? Um, you know, one thing that people bring up a lot is decentralization. Um, I think decentralization can mean a lot of different things. And the first thing that I do really think is worth pointing out is that I think a lot of people are not super clear on what they mean by it and how they measure it. And, and you know, I think one test of that is that when you look at, like, you know, at, at how you would define, you know, a, de- a, a, like, more or less decentralized blockchain, you know, I think most people would come up with some set of criteria for it. You know, probably something like, you know, uh, validator distribution, you know, how how many there are, participating number it takes to get up to some, you know, threshold to, to halt or take over the network, um, you know, something like that, the, the cost it takes to run them, um, looking at how widely distributed the, the token and protocol are, whether there are explicit centralized controls anywhere. And, and then you ask people, what are the most decentralized cryptocurrencies? And typically what you hear is Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know, 
a, a good ways above the others. But but of course, if you look at the networks as they exist right now, you know the number of of mining pools that it takes to get uh you know more than half of the Ethereum networks like two or three. It's it's not very many. You know, frankly speaking, right now, like on, on that metric, like you know, any proof of stake system is going to be better than than Bitcoin or Ethereum. And 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 you know the same thing when you look at the the cost of mining blocks, which is you know absolutely enormous in terms of the you know the the mining rigs that you need to buy on Bitcoin or so. Right now, by you know, I, I think the first thing to do is just think about well, what what really do you mean by this, and what really is important? I think is you know sort of the answer is that well. I know a lot of things matter. It's not a single check, but you know what are sort of the core trade-offs here? Um, and, and you know I think the first is ETH 1.0. It's you know by some metrics already more decentralized. By some it's less. Uh, but but I think what people then do is say, okay, but how about comparing it to the the, the roadmap of ETH 2? You know, and I mean, query how fair. You know, obviously that sort of relies on on ETH 2 get, to getting to where it needs to be in, in the form people think it will and. And you know you probably want to be able to fast forward Solana too at that same time. But you know basically the the one of the core properties of Ethereum that Solana does not have is this concept of you know anyone and anything being able to run a full uh, a full node that you know your watch um, you know your your Raspberry Pi you know basically any electronic uh, you know equipment with an internet connection should be able to run a full Ethereum node and. Um, and Solana does not have that. You know, Solana has gone down the direction of saying, look, we want the performance of the blockchain to be an important criteria of it. And, you know, we, we care a lot about the efficiency and scaling and economics of it. And so, you know, while also wanting there to be a sufficiently big group of nodes, now what does sufficiently mean? I mean, I don't know, you know, different people have different thresholds, but, you know, so right now there are about 600 active nodes on, on the main net for Solana. And, you know, I, I can't remember the exact cost. I want to say it's like $500 or $1,000 or so to run one. And so, you know, at that level, what does that mean? Well, it means that you're certainly not going to be in a position where everyone in the world is running a Solana node. Um, you know, there just isn't, it, it's too expensive for that. Um, but, you know, you could be in a position where, you know, 5% of the world is running one, which could mean hundreds of millions of them sort of in the limit. And, you know, frankly, you start to hit other, you know, some other technological restrictions um, around parallelization or just, you know, the total amount of, of, of resource pieces being spent on these at some point. But, you know, I think the basic answer is, you, you, you know, you can get a lot. You can't get the same number that you get for Ethereum, um, but you can get a whole lot more than any blockchain has ever had. So, obviously, there's many different ways of thinking about decentralization. You mentioned scalability. This was the sort of issue that, you know, sort of forced your hand in, in kind of building... Yep. A product on another blockchain off of Ethereum and sort of helping kind of bootstrap that blockchain. Um, but if you look at the numbers, the DEX volumes that exist, right? Like, you know, it's not like we're, you know, waiting in the, the millions and tens of millions, right? You know, SushiSwap saw a turnover top 11 billion this month. I think um, Uniswap was around 48 billion this month. So, I mean, these are sizable markets, right? These are markets that many centralized cryptocurrency exchanges would, would envy and love to have, especially if they're charging high fees. But so the question I have is, what, would that not have been good enough? Like, would it, if FTX were to build a DEX on Ethereum, would that market not have been sizable? Are you looking to scale much bigger than that? 
And then the follow-up question to that is, at what point does moving off of Ethereum impede sort of the ability for folks that are more accustomed to that ecosystem from sort of deciding to hop over the other side of the fence, right? So even if you have more scalability with Solana, you don't necessarily have the same user base or sizable user base that you would if you had built on Ethereum. Yeah, totally. And and I think that, that those are intertwined questions. And I think a lot of what this gets down to in the end is, what is the vision for Serum? How big is it trying to get? What's the upside here? And, you know, I basically think that, like, if your goal is to build a set of DEXs which trade, you know, a, a, a few billion dollars a day of volume um, while paying, um, you know, millions of dollars a day of fees to, to, to miners, which is where ETH DEXs are right now, um, then yeah, you know, it's you, you, you sort of provably can do that on Ethereum. Now, the fees are absurd. I mean, it is millions of dollars, in, in many cases, tens of millions of dollars of day of bleed to, to, to mining rigs in order to support this. But obviously, you can do it. But it's really being stretched to its limits. It's really hard for it to get bigger than it is right now. And, it, and as it is, it's still smaller as an entire ecosystem put together than FTXs. Um, you know, and, and then some other centralized exchanges are. And so I think that, like, you know, I'd be pretty sad if 2020-era FTX ended up being bigger than the height of what of all of DeFi put together became. I think that, that that would make DeFi sort of a cool idea, but one that never really went mainstream, one that never became big. And I think that'd be really sad, and I think that would mean that, that DeFi really had failed. I mean, that that had been a cool concept, but failed in practice if it never got bigger than this. And I think that when you think about how big it could get, you know, there's no reason that it couldn't get up to 10% of the world's activity happening on chain, you know, to a lot of a third of the economic activity to half the social media and, and a bunch of other stuff. And so I think that the limit is, is, you know, many, many orders of magnitude bigger, you know, probably four more orders of magnitude bigger than what we're seeing right now. Backed is the digital wallet of the future, empowering you to manage all of your digital assets from a single place. Backed puts the power in your hands to get your crypto, loyalty and rewards points and gift cards together to choose how you want to use them. Treat your digital assets just like cash and convert, send or spend them using Backed. Get started today and get it together with Backed. Available for download now in the App Store and Google Play Store. And I also want to take a moment to thank Kraken, the cryptocurrency exchange. For the last 10 years, Kraken has been known as one of the best platforms for trading crypto online. Whether it's your first trade or your 100th, Kraken has the tools to help you hit your financial goals in crypto. With Kraken, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or earn additional rewards through their industry-leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week, and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit Kraken.com now to learn more. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Exodus. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy-to-use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone, and interactive charts let you view the price history of a specific asset and your portfolio's performance over time. 
sync your wallet across multiple devices to access your funds from anywhere. And maybe the best part, Exodus is integrated with Trezor Hardware Wallet, making advanced security easy for everyone. Download Exodus at exodus.com today. So there's this long-term vision for what you're building to scale to a much larger market than the current DeFi market. But in the short term, going back to, I think it was my second question, um, and you're right, they were very intertwined. In the short term, how do you sort of build a market with a more limited base of folks who will want to engage with it? Yeah, totally. And, you know, although I will say, I feel like the Ethereum community has not embraced Solana in a way that they haven't other layer ones, especially like Polkadot and the list goes on, but they sort of um, have a more ambiguous view. So I think maybe they'll, they'd be a bit more curious to maybe engage with it, but. Yeah, certainly true. And you know, I think what I'd say there is, is yeah, that, that's a big downside. And I think especially to the extent that the goal here is to get, you know, as many as possible in the next year of the, uh, you know, or especially in this last year, you know, of the current DeFi players using uh, using a product or an ecosystem, you would build it on Ethereum, maybe crazy not to. It, you know, that that's a real factor. You know, and so why didn't we? Well, first of all, I think, again, you know, that only matters so much for the long view. It does matter because momentum matters here and, and, and building up adoption. But, um, you know, there's a point at which adoption will have to move somewhere else if, if throughput doesn't increase. And, and if the ecosystem keeps growing, but, you know, the other thing is there's a lot of people who aren't in DeFi right now. And, you know, so universally, when we talk to people who are not yet in DeFi, you know, what we hear is, is way, um, you know, way weaker preferences on or priors on what, what ecosystem or chain to use. And, you know, way more people just feel like, I don't know, we'll use whatever seems best. And so I think that when you start expanding outside of the current DeFi users to the rest of the world, um, you know, it becomes a lot less important to be building on the chain that currently has the most DeFi adoption. And, and so I think that this, you know, again, gets back to what's sufficient here. If the vision here is to support the current power users as much as possible, then I think Ethereum makes a ton of sense. You know, I think if the vision is to grow out the DeFi ecosystem to, you know, 10,000 times as big as it is right now, then I think that not only do you have to look at alternatives, but there are fewer costs to doing so. Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit about how um, the, the one benefit that you guys do have is you have one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the world, one of the largest trading operations in the world, um, all sort of under the same family of, of companies or projects, whatever you want to call it. One of the largest retail data trading platforms as well in Blockfolio. So that helps. How do you sort of leverage this entire, um, you know, family of, of firms that you've created to help bootstrap uh, Serum? Yeah, I, and I think a lot of this is when we think about that, I think there are a lot of things we can do. But one of the key parts of this is that, you know, what we think is most important, again, is the long term vision here. And from that perspective, we want to make sure that while we're doing this, we're not shooting ourselves in the foot, which is to say that you know, the guiding principle there is what can we do to help build out the ecosystem rather than to constrain the ecosystem to, you know, some platform that I run. And, and so that is one of the big pieces of this. And, you know, what what is it that we can do to help? Well, obviously, there's, you know, 
FTX has listed a number of tokens in the Solana ecosystem, which is just, you know, helped get, um, help get some adoption and awareness of the projects and, you know, easy on-ramping and off-ramping to it. You know, obviously we, we helped build out a DEX there, um, which is, you know, the, the sort of original Serum DEX. And it's, you know, basically the only high-performance on-chain order book and matching engine exchange in the world. And is powering a lot of other applications too, because, you know, the cool thing is once you have that, you can have lots of applications, each, you know, sharing their orders and liquidity, so to speak. Um, and Radium is a cool example of this, where it is an AMM, um, but rather than having to go on Radium to trade against the AMM, you can trade on any, you know, Serum, uh, basically, ecosystem project that composes with the order book, because the way that, that Radium provides, the way that it, it gets off the AMM, providing, um, is, you know, fundamentally by putting orders out in the Serum order book. Um, so, you know, we, we built out that. Um, you know, and then we've helped build out some infrastructure as well, helping on the wallet side, the RPC server side, and wherever else there seems to be, um, you know, sort of work needed, um, you know, we, we, we've tried to help, um, help build or help advise other people to build there. And, you know, some of these might become foundational elements of the ecosystem. Others of these I really hope don't. And, you know, and instead I see us like, look, we needed something to kind of get to the next step there. But the goal is for another team to build out something better and, you know, replace what we'd built. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to get your impression of how Wall Street or, you know, quote unquote, traditional Wall Street firms are maybe viewing this ecosystem. I know you guys talk with um, so many different firms. I, I listened to the Jump podcast that you did, which kind of explored um, the way you guys came together on building out this ecosystem. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit about that. But what's sort of the general perception of DeFi to firms like like Jump? And, and then what's the more specific perception of things like Serum and Solana? Yeah, so, and the first thing it says is that there's a variety of, of obviously, of companies, you know, in finance. And I think that sort of the most the most forward-looking, the most excited about crypto are, are super excited about DeFi and see it as, as potentially a big innovation in terms of, you know, the financial ecosystem long-term. And so I do think that there is, you know, a lot of excitement for it in places. But, you know, I think there's also a lot of hesitation. And I think that when you branch out very much in, in, in you know, in the financial ecosystem, you get increasing amounts of hesitation. And, you know, really the thing there is that it, they're not, like the DeFi ecosystem right now is not built for regulated financial institutions in a number of ways. It just like falls way short. Um, it doesn't, I mean, just cannot handle enough volume or throughput um, or do so economically enough to be viable for almost any big financial institution. Um, it also has, you know, questions around regulation and compliance and KYC that, you know, governments are going to need to shed light on over, you know, the next decade. But I think a lot of financial institutions are going to be cautious because of that. Um, there's, you know, a, a way smaller sort of suite of products there as well that they can access um, given the, uh, you know, given sort of the, the limitations on, on what you can build. So there, you know, there, there, there's just a lot of ways right now in which it doesn't make sense for, um, for you know, the, the broader financial ecosystem. That doesn't mean that it can't make sense or that it won't, just that it's not there yet. And, you know, there are a number of pieces that, and, and we're not going to solve all of them and certainly not going to solve all of them overnight. Um, but I think Serum solves some of them. 
And I think in particular, it gets the speed and throughput and transaction costs down to a point where it is viable. You know, it goes, you know, it has, you know, 50,000 TPS right now and, you know, like a, a tenth of a penny transaction cost roughly, which is, again, it's not, it's not free. It's, you know, uh, that's, that's more limited than, you know, a lot of centralized venues and, and more expensive, but it's at least at a level where it can make sense for, um, for some act economic activity to happen. And, you know, that's going to keep scaling up over time in terms of what that throughput is. So, so, so I think that that presents at least a viable long-term option on the technology side. You know, there's still a lot of open questions there. And then the other thing that it does, which is quite similar, is it allows a way broader and richer series of products to be built on it, you know, chiefly because you have more throughput. And so you're not restricted to apps that have, you know, very, very few transactions going through them. Mm -hmm. We're getting close to the end and I want to be respectful of your time, but maybe you could share some of the types of products folks might be looking to build on top of Solana. What what are some things that are clicking for folks? Yeah, so I think that, you know, right now, obviously there's you know, the DEX and, and there's Radium. And I think what that has opened up is sort of the, the, the you know, realization to people that there's a lot of power in having a um, an order book that you can compose with. It means that you don't have to figure out how to get all of your own take your flow and liquidity necessarily on a product that you're building because you can compose with the DEX and it's fully on chain. And so, you know, if you need to have liquid markets, um, you can just access the DEX markets. And if you want to expose your product, um, you know, if you want to provide with your product and expose it to taker volume, you know, one thing that you can always do is, uh, is provide on the DEX, you know, on chain through it. And then anyone trading on the DEX will have access to it. And so, so I think that's one cool thing. And we're seeing more and more of that. And then the other things that we're seeing people start to build out more complex products. You know, we are starting to see some options protocols going online, some borrow lending protocols with, you know, dynamic market-based interest rates. We're seeing, you know, there's a merchant trading platform. We're seeing some social media kind of sketches being laid out, some streaming platforms and, um, and, and some mass retail platforms. Um, and I think that all of those are things which, you know, have huge upside and, and take advantage of the, the strengths of Serum. I actually do have one other question. Um, you've been doing a lot of podcasts, so thanks for taking the time. I don't <laughs> yep. know if you're gearing up for your own presidential run or something, but um, you just seem like you're always on. Um, I'm <laughs> sure a lot of my listeners have, have you know, come across you recently in the journal. Um, you know, a lot of talk about you know, you're in your, your sort of donation to President Biden. Um, so your, your profile is, is exploding. How do you keep up with it? Walk me through your daily routine. Yeah. And, and it's certainly an evolving thing. And, you know, I, I've had to make a lot of edits over the last six months as various parts of it. Uh, let's just say have their own sort of scaling problem. Yeah. The SPF scaling issue. Oh yeah. And so certainly my, my, you know, telegram responsiveness is not what it used to be. Um, but, uh, you know, I think basically, and a lot of this is just always trying to be aware of what's going on, always trying to be aware of the biggest things, understanding where I'm important and where I'm not, and, you know, pitching in where, where, where I can be super helpful and, and, you know, letting other people take the lead where I'm not needed. And, you know, a lot of what that also means is, you know, I think I've moved a lot more towards a norm whereby, you know, what I'll, I'll do is I'll, you know, when there's something that I, that I care about, some conversation or something like that. 
I will add, you know, some colleagues onto the thread, but stay on it myself as well, so that I can interact with it to the extent that it's useful or helpful for me to, and to the extent I have bandwidth to it, but so that, you know, there are backups there and, and people to move it along and frankly, people to come over and, and throw something at me if I'm forgetting a meeting I have. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and so I think, you know, but you have one like executive assistant. I don't, I've played around with it. I, I've had one at times. I don't have one right now. I would ideally like one, but you know, the other thing that I will say is like, you know, I, I trust a lot of the people who I work with quite a bit and, you know, I'm happy to bring them into conversations and have them, you know, take them away. And I think that like, you know, there's an extent to which, you know, if people are talking with a colleague of mine, you know, I'm fine with that being transparent rather than it, you know, being sort of me, but sort of not me, sort of from the same, you know, e email account. Um, the other thing, though, is just that, like, you know, there's an extent to which, you know, you hold out an executive assistant to be an extension of yourself and to be, you know, someone who people can take as, you know, as you speaking sort of an extension. And if you're not doing that, then then it's not actually any different than just a colleague, really. And yeah, and and that's the thing that makes me nervous because I try to be pretty careful with what I say and think about things, and 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 and, and you know it's um, that's a hard thing to scale out. And so, you know, I I've sort of leaned much more in the direction of just saying, look, like I'm you know I've got some great colleagues, and you know often you should be talking to them and not me, um, because frankly they're going to be a lot more responsive than I will, um, and you know you. you that, that that's totally fine. And that, you know, if you absolutely do need to talk to me, and sometimes that is the case, sometimes I'm the right person for something, then it'll it'll be me and not uh not not you know not not me pretending to be me. Understood. Well, I'm sure uh, just as you figure out how to scale the business, you'll you'll figure out how to scale yourself. Well I'm thinking about just putting myself on the blockchain and then all those hundreds of validators can just run me in parallel. <laughs> well, good luck. When you do that, we'll have you back on to talk about it. Sam Bankman-Fried, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me.